In this seminar in particular, the Lord laid it on our hearts to emphasize the dual working of the Spirit of God that he expects in the life of his children. First of all, the Holy Ghost in the new birth, and then second, the Holy Ghost in the baptism with the Holy Ghost. In the uh, first, it's rather appropriate that we find a list of nine given, a group of nine on each one of them. Now, for instance, the nine fruit of the Spirit is mentioned as a result of the Holy Ghost in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Christ literally, physically, couldn't be in anybody because with a resurrected flesh and bone body, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But it's through the power of the Spirit of God that he dwells in us. The Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. And so because of that life within us, we have the ninefold fruit of the Spirit produced. Now, in connection with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, or this endowment of power from on high, Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, this 12th chapter, now concerning the very first verse, I want to reemphasize something I've said before. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now I read to you the King James translation. Reading that from the King James translation, we don't get the full import of what he's saying here. If you'll notice in that first verse, the word gifts in that verse is italicized. Now that means anytime you find in your Bible a word that's italicized, that means it's not in the original scriptures. The translators added it, thinking that they'd help you to understand, but here I think they did us a disservice. Now let's read the word and leave the word gifts out, and then I'll illustrate again something to you. Now concerning spiritual, or actually it is really in the original plural, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And the Greek word translated spiritual or spiritual literally means now concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost, I would not have you ignorant. So what he is talking about in this chapter is, and in the 13th chapter and in the 14th chapter, is things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost, not just gifts. Now, he does talk about gifts, all right, but that's not all, and not just spiritual gifts. Because, you see, uh, he talks about the body of Christ. The body of Christ is of the Holy Ghost and pertains to the Holy Ghost, but the body of Christ is not spiritual gifts. Because, see, he said, for as the body is one and as many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. That's the 12th verse. Well, he's not talking about spiritual gifts there, you see. He's talking about the body of Christ. Later on here, he said, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And then he said, and God has set some in the church. So you see, he doesn't just talk about spiritual gifts in this chapter. He also talks about the body of Christ. He talks about the church. Well, the church is not spiritual gifts, but the church is pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Now then he went on to say, God has set some in the church, first apostles. Apostles is not a spiritual gift. Apostles is a ministry gift. 
God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, so on. Well, teachers, prophets, and so on are not spiritual gifts. They are ministry gifts. So you see then his subject is not spiritual gifts. But you see, if you read that, the King James translation, then you're likely to misinterpret much of what he said in this chapter because you relate them all to spiritual gifts. Now let's look at it again also, something else that I brought out to you. And I keep bringing that because this is sort of new ground to us. Begin with that fourth verse. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. The word gifts in that verse is not italicized. It is in the original text. And so he does discuss gifts in this chapter, but that's not all. But now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God. So actually what he's talking about now is gifts, administrations, and operations. And all of them, now notice the seventh verse, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. All of them are manifestations of the Spirit. It's better to call them manifestations than it is to call them gifts. Now, I, I want to go over that again real carefully with you because she says, now, begin with the fourth verse, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. You see, for instance, like your friends, you said, well, I went to town yesterday and brought me a new dress and a new pair of shoes. Well, I wouldn't understand that the new pair of shoes is also a dress. And when he said, now there are diversities of gifts and, see what I'm talking about? There are differences of administrations and, so you said, I went to town yesterday and bought me a new dress and a new pair of shoes. Well, I don't understand that the new shoes and the dress are the same. And a new purse. You see the thinking? Now, there are diversities of gifts. And there are differences of administrations. And there are diversities of operations. They're all manifestations. But then we, we pointed out that from the, the uh, Greek Testament, which New Testament is written in Greek, that there are four different Greek words translated gifts. They, they mean different things. And that we in the English, you know, we use words that when we speak uh, specifically, they mean the, the real meaning of the word is one thing, but when we speak generally, it means something else. And I use that word miracle, you know, like we talk about miracle drugs, miracle detergents, miracle fabrics, See a beautiful sunrise, our sunset, said that's a miracle. Neither one of them, none of them are miracles. That way we talk generally, yet specifically not a one of them is a miracle because one definition of the word miracle in the dictionary is that a miracle is a divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. Well, none of those things are divine interventions in the ordinary course of nature. So specifically, not a one of them are miracles, are they? But generally speaking, the way we talk, you know, we understand what we mean. Now, the same way with gifts. You see, anything that's given in a general sense is a gift. So even these manifestations of the Spirit here, all of them in a general sense, you could say they're a gift, but specifically speaking, no. Now, for instance, like I give you a gift, I, I point out here, like if I were to give my watch to someone here to, as a gift, 
birthday gift, we say, or Christmas gift, or whatever. Just a gift. Well, then they can do what they want to with it. Give it to you if they wanted to. Throw it away if they wanted to. Well, you see, if these, what we call gifts of the Spirit, were gifts in that sense, well, then, you know, I could give you what I had, you give me, you know, but you can't do that. You can't give them away. Not only that, you can't manifest them unless the anointing's there. It's not up to you to manifest. It's the Holy Ghost that gives the manifestation. So, you see, we, we get into trouble, you know, unless we realize when we talk, generally speaking, yes, all of them are gifts in the general sense. Specifically speaking, no. You understand what I'm saying now? Four of them are gifts. Speaking with other tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, and gifts of healings are gifts. Four out of the nine. Three of them are administrations. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Two of them are operations. The gift of faith are special faith. And, uh, the working of miracles. Now let's look at them from another standpoint. I made mention of this fact many years ago when I first started in the ministry, I heard a Baptist minister say, discussing Bible subjects or even Bible doctrine sometime is like climbing a mountain. You climb up the north side of that mountain, you have one view. You can't see the south side of it at all. You're over on the north side. But you climb up the south side of the same mountain, you've got an entirely different view, and yet it's the same mountain. And so you see, that's sort of what we are doing is climbing up the other side of the mountain, maybe where we haven't climbed before. But now let's look at it from another different view. In examining these uh, manifestations of the Spirit, and that's a, that's a better way to say it than it is to call them gifts. See, that's what Paul calls them. He calls all of them the gifts, the administrations, the operations, manifestation. Now let's start with the seventh verse again now. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith or special faith. You see, because every believer already has faith, saving faith, general faith, common faith, praise God, but special faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Now notice 11th verse. But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. He divides the manifestation, you see, to every man severally as he will. Now in examining these nine manifestations of the Spirit, we find that... Uh, they are also divided into three groups. And just putting it simply, the simplest as you possibly could, three of them reveal something. Three of them do something. And three of them say something. Or they say it another way. There are three manifestations of revelation. There are three manifestations of power. There are three manifestations that are vocal. Now the three that reveal or bring revelation are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. The three that do something are manifestations of power are the gift of special faith and uh, working of miracles and gifts of healings. The three vocal manifestations are 
gifts, and I'm using the word gifts here both specifically and generally because these three are gifts, that say something are vocal gifts are prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now let's give a, a little simple definition of each one of them so we can locate them. First of all, the word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation from God of his mind and purpose. All of these manifestations are supernatural. They are not natural, they're supernatural. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation from God of any fact or event. The discerning of spirits is a supernatural revelation from God of the presence or the activity of the spirit world, or a better way to say it, is seeing into the realm or world of spirits. The manifestations of power are the three that do something, are first of all, the gift or manifestation of special faith. That's supernatural power given by God. Now let me, let me give you a little illustration. We talked about that quite at length yesterday, but Wigglesworth talks about, Smith Wigglesworth talks about, under his ministry, and of course his ministry extended over many, many years. It wasn't just a common occurrence with him, you see. But over, say, a 50-year period, there were three people raised from the dead under his ministry. Well, on the very first person, Wigglesworth said this. He said, you know, he, he was not in full-time ministry at the time, but he was in ministry. He was also a plumber, you know, and so he was, he'd come in from work, and he saw all these, because in that day, you see, in his day, there were more horses and carts and trailers, I mean, and, and wagons and so on. He saw this around, a few of those early cars, you know, look like a horseless carriage, around a house, you know, and he knew that this person had been very ill, and so when he went in, why well, his mother said, so-and-so just died a while ago. Well, he said, without thinking, he just rushed over there, and of course, here the, the person is, their, their body's lying there on the bed, and began to pray. Well, he said, I penetrated heaven with my prayers and with what faith I had and didn't get anywhere. Now, you see, common, ordinary, general faith that all we Christians have doesn't work here because if it did, we'd all be doing that every day. But I like the way we were said. He said, I found another faith coming down from heaven, taking hold of my spirit. And I began to command her to live, this woman that was dead, and she rose up. That was the manifestation of that faith, that see, for to one is given special faith by the Spirit. Now that doesn't mean that special faith was given to him, that he could just go around raising people the dead. No, just the manifestation of it at the moment. I remember another incident, that uh, because I, I knew this minister, and happened in, in, in my day here down in Texas. I lived, you know, a uh, uh, close to Dallas, and, and I knew a full gospel pastor there in Dallas, and, and I heard, and I know of the man that was, there was a man holding a revival in his church. Actually, I say a revival, a teaching session. The man was a teacher, and he was holding a meeting, and more or less seminars, until they just called them teaching sessions, and, and so this man, the pastor, had a heart condition, and then he got the flu, and he was pretty sick. So this other minister said, you know, I, I, he, he couldn't come out to the service, so I went there to the parsonage to pray for him. The wife said he's just terribly sick. Actually, this fellow who was speaking was also a doctor. And he said the man died. Well, he ought to know. But he said, uh, 
his wife was kneeling there by the bed praying and said suddenly she rose up just, just like a lion. And he said, I watched her. And, and, and her husband's a whole lot bigger than her. I mean, her husband weighed, I'm sure, 200, maybe 210 or 20 pounds. And this doctor said, I saw her just lift her husband up out of bed with supernatural strength, stand him against the wall and command him to walk, and he just started walking. Bless God. That just happened a few years ago there in Dallas, back in the 40s. Well, now, now, now that's what happened there. You see, this other man, this, this fellow I was telling about that was doing this teaching, who was a teacher of the word, he was a, a man of faith. I know I have some of his writings over in my library. He was a man of faith. The man constantly taught on the subject of divine healing. Well, of course, I guess he'd been a doctor. He's interested in things like that. See? Constantly taught on that subject. Primarily, that's all he taught on was, was divine healing. See, He was a man of faith. And he was praying just with ordinary, common faith that all of us have as believers and Christians. And the man's wife was there kneeling by the bed, praying. She was at the foot of the bed. This man was up the head of the bed and laid hands upon the man. And like he said, he said he died. But see, the Spirit of God, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, praise God, you, you enter into these things. That is, as the Spirit wills, you can't give the manifestation to yourself. It's the Holy Ghost that gives the manifestation to you. And so, uh, another thing about the gift of faith is, or, or this special faith is, that when it's in manifestation, it doesn't necessarily always bring, now in that case, it would, but the manifestation is not always brought forth immediately. There in the Old Testament, those patriarchs of old, before they died, oftentimes would lay hands upon, you know, like, like Jacob or Israel on his sons, pronounce either blessings or curses over They did that with the gift of faith or this special faith. Sometimes it's years coming to pass. Wigglesworth was mightily used along that line with this manifestation of special faith. When he first came here to the United States, he was preaching out in, in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Now, actually, he wasn't invited to be a speaker, but he was just here. And they, you know, being from England, they asked him to speak. And after he spoke, they saw he said, I have something from God. So they put him up every day to speak. And there was a fellow, a little boy leading the blind man. Well, Wigglesworth, you see, laid hands on this blind man and had a manifestation. He knew in his spirit the man's healed. And so he pronounced him healed. Well, the very next night, that little old kid led that blind man in. Man couldn't see a thing. Wigglesworth, in fact, the song leader was up leading congregational singing. And Wigglesworth just got up and stopped him, said, everybody stop, everybody wait. Said, see that man being led by that child? Little boy, about 12 years old, leading him. Said, he's healed. Now, see, you can't do that with ordinary faith. Oh, you could say it, but wouldn't nothing happen. Now, the very next night, so happened, the service already in progress when they came. And here was this 12-year-old boy leading the blind man into the service under the tent. Wigglesworth got up again, stopped the song leader, said, you see that fellow, that man, that boy's leading? Said he was blind, but he's healed the night before last. You know, people start shaking their head. The third night, same thing happened. They didn't get in on time. Song leaders leading congregational singing. Here the boy come leading him in. And uh, Wigglesworth got up again and announced that he was healed a couple of nights ago here. 
Well, he went on to service. Wigglesworth started preaching right in the middle of his sermon. The blind eyes suddenly popped open. The fellow could see. He got up on his chair back there in the tent and started preaching. <laughs> Praise God. But now that was this special faith in operation, you see. I mean, I mean, if all of us with ordinary faith could do that, we'd do that every service, you know. Now, then there is uh, the working of miracles. That's supernatural power given from God producing signs and wonders. Intervention in the ordinary course of nature. Now, I personally believe, and, and you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I see a lot of things different about these manifestations today and this year than I did last year. We're growing. Hallelujah. We ought to see, we ought to gain new knowledge and fresh revelation. But I'm personally convinced that uh, gifts of healings is just exactly what it said has to do with healing. And that healing is a renewal of the body from a disease condition. But that the working of miracles, and miracles is more over here in the area of, uh, you know, like for instance, I know of people. In fact, my, one of my nieces was operated on first time when she was 16 years old. Now, when she was 16 years old, and the doctors didn't confide in her, but she had an operation, some of her female organs taken out, because they were cancerous. And between 16 and 20, she had four operations. And she didn't know all, you know, why it's for necessarily, because they didn't tell her it was malignant. They just hoped each time they got all of it. Well, she got married, and she married a fellow in the Air Force. And I remember, you know, that uh, 1958, we were in a meeting in Pennsylvania. And so they had uh, finally told her, her husband in the Air Force, he stayed in San Antonio, and so they'd finally call, now, now he knew it because she'd had one of these operations after they're married, but he didn't, he didn't tell her. But now then the doctors called him and her in and said, well, all these operations you've had is for cancer. And it's spread upward in your body now throughout your stomach, you see, and so on. So we're going to send you, you know, to, to Washington, D.C. to Walter Reed Hospital. And this is 1958 now. And take what they call then the gold ray treatment. Mr. Dulles, you remember, had that. And then after you take this treatment that we think maybe it'll stop the spread of this, you see, then we're going to operate on you and take out about half of your stomach or two-thirds of it. And we trust if everything goes well, you may live another two years. That's the best we can promise you. That's not much for a young woman. Well... I remember I was in the pulpit up there in Pennsylvania preaching when suddenly the Spirit of God came on me. And it was just as like as though I was standing down there in San Antonio. And I cursed that foul thing, commanded to leave her and her to become normal and well and whole, top of her head to soldier's feet. Well, the day came when, of course, her husband in the Air Force, the Air Force was going to fly her up there, and they didn't fly her. They said, let's wait a day or two. Now, you know, every day now, they're checking her every day. So 10 days went by, you know, and she said later the devil kept telling her, well, it's spread too far. They're not going to do anything. Just too far gone, too far gone. Finally, after the 10th day, they called her in with her husband, five doctors. And then they said to her, sit down there now. One of them, his spokesman, said, I've got something to tell you. And she said, of course, you know, it rushed in upon her mind. They're going to tell me, well, it's too far gone. There's no use doing anything. We're not going to fly you up there. But he said to her, you know it's all disappeared? 
We, we don't understand it. We wouldn't even believe you ever had it if we didn't have all these records. See, we've got the one record of where they'd operate on since, you know, here has been the Air Force. But then they got the records from the other places, you see, through the years. We, we wouldn't ever believe you ever had And not only that, see, we told you, because, you see, some of the female organs have been removed and so on. We told you you couldn't have children, but the female organs are back. And so if you don't want children, you better be careful. <laughs> and so they had a child. Well, now, I believe personally that you've got a combination here, both a working of miracles, because, you see, that, th those organs being replaced is not healing. If you'd cut your thumb there, say, well, God healed that thumb. Well, good, it'd heal up. But if you don't have any thumb there, you couldn't say God healed the thumb. There ain't none there to heal. So, I, and I believe that in many areas of, of people that are crippled, and so on, that we have the miracles. Now, you'll notice this. Talking about working the miracles. Let, let, let's go back real quick to there to the 8th chapter of Acts. We looked at it before. This is a, you know, a little, maybe a little different angle. 8th chapter of Acts. Let's start reading the 5th verse. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. They gave heed unto him. Now, get this. Both seeing and hearing the miracles which he did. Well, now I want to ask you a question. If he did miracles, didn't he work a miracle? I said, if he did miracles, it said miracles which he did. You understand, of course, it's by the power of the Holy Ghost. But if he did miracles, didn't he work a miracle or work miracles? For many unclean spirits came out crying with a loud voice. And I know many of sick of the palsy were healed, many that were lame. You notice it doesn't talk about any diseases or sicknesses here from, you know, from our standpoint, as we think of them. Now, you see, palsy is creeping paralysis. And evidently, these people probably become totally paralyzed and incapable of moving. But then we know what lame means, don't we? We would say crippled very often. Notice it doesn't say anything about a blind person being healed or a deaf person being healed or a leprous person being healed. You notice that? I think that we, we, we need to readjust our thinking about a lot of these things. I remember um, on one occasion, after the Lord first appeared to me in that vision, the first vision back in 1950, then sometime later, I was holding a meeting in one of our western states and ministering healing. You see, under this, with this anointing. See, he said, and when he placed the finger of his right hand upon my hand, I have called thee and have anointed thee and have given unto thee a special anointing to minister to the sick. Well, in the healing line, a prayer line, actually, because I'd put people in the same line to be healed or filled with the Holy Ghost. I saw this lady, you know, holding a pillar, you know, just a regular size bed pillar. You know, not, not queen size or king size, just a regular size pillar in her arm like that. And, and, and a child, you know, and I thought little baby, you know. And she, you know, as we ministered to folks one by one, talked to them and ministered to them individually. Finally, she got up there, you know, to me. And when I looked at that child lying on that pillar whose body wasn't any bigger than, I'd say, of three, four-month-old child. Not any bigger than that. I've seen many three and four months old children whose body was bigger than this child's body. But just a baby. 
And yet as I looked into his face, I could see that it had the face. Now the head wasn't any bigger much, but it had the face of a four or five-year-old child, not just a baby. And so I said to the mother, I suppose you brought the child. Yes, she said. I said, how old is this child? She said, between four and five. I said, what's wrong with it? She said, well, I don't know. It just never has grown. The doctors don't understand it. She said, they actually said they don't understand how the child's lived. But she said, the child has never made a sound in his life. Never moved one arm or one leg. Not a one. None. And, and, and you look at it, you'd think maybe it's blind. She said, I thought the child's blind, but the doctor said, no, it's not blind. And they don't understand. She said, I've had the child, she mentioned other larger cities, asbestos, and they said, well, it's just beyond us, you know, how the child has lived. These are the words she told me. Well, I laid my hands on that child, and I knew that that healing anointing did not go into that child. I knew it didn't. Well, I didn't have the heart to tell that mother that. I mean, what are you going to do? So I just went ahead and ministered the child just like I did the rest of them. I do that all the time with people, and yet I know the healing power doesn't go into them. I know very often it's not healing they need, but you don't have time to stop. Because if you, if you take time to stop and get over into the natural, you'll very often lose the anointing. So I just went on, passed the child on. But I remember then that when I got in my car, I was traveling alone in those days. I got in my car and started back to the hotel. I wept all the way back to the hotel. And when I got to my room, I fell on my knees by the bedside weeping and said, Lord, why couldn't I help that little child? That healing power did not go into that child. It never left my hands. Now that child is only a, you know what I mean in every way, just a baby, even though it is between four and five years of age. It, 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 and in its condition, it can't believe, but it doesn't disbelieve. There's nothing there to keep it from it. And yet that power did not go into that child. Because I had learned from experience that it's always the easiest thing in the world to get children healed. About 999, 100 times out of 100, you'd always get them healed. Because they just sort of believe anyway. I mean, you know, they just, they, they, they live by faith. I mean, I mean, you could not have a, you got a four or five year old child and you got bills stacked up knee deep on both sides of you and not a crumb in the house to eat. And, and uh, you know, and they're just out jumping and playing and running and hollering. <laughs> they don't lose a week of sleep. Amen. Isn't that right? They just got faith in mom and daddy. <laughs> Amen. I think that's what I read. Jesus said, except you be converted and become his little children. You know why? No wise in the kingdom of heaven. Well, I didn't get an answer right then. I've got two services a day, teaching every morning at 10, preaching at night. And so I began to fast. I began to fast. I fasted and prayed. You see, I'd only have uh, certain times that I could pray about this because I, when I wake up in the morning, I immediately got my mind on the, on the morning service and I don't, I don't get my mind on anything else. I begin to think about my Bible lesson and just, just, just don't get on anything else. Then I have to have that morning service. Then the afternoon up to a certain point, once I get to to 4 or 4.30, then I refused to let my mind get on anything else. Particularly in those days when I was going constantly, I just won't think about anything else. Push everything out of my mind and just think entirely on my message or if God's already given to me or in the service and meditation and prayer for that service. So then I've only got maybe, you know, time you go eat after that, maybe three hours each day and some time at night when you came in before you went to sleep. I'd say you only had maybe... You know, out of 24 hours, you only had about five hours that you could 
concentrate on this other. And so, but I fasted the whole days. And I, at, at these special times then, I would, would, would concentrate and pray and talk about, to the Lord about that little child. Now, the third day, the third day of my fast, in the afternoon there, the Lord spoke to me. And he said to me, he, called my, he reminded me, first he said to me, the reason that healing power didn't flow from your hands into that child is because it does not need healing. The child was born with something missing in its head. Healing will not put it in there. Then he reminded me of a man that lived right uh, catty-cornered across the street from us, my grandfather's house. I talked about Grandma Pope the other day. She lived that way. This fellow lived that way, catty-cornered that direction. Mr. R., he would come, you know, we had no air conditioning those days and so on, and folks, you know, in the cool of the day, and twilight, you know, would just sit out in the yard, you know, on the porch. And Grandpa on time would sit out, you know, in the chair under the tree. We had some beautiful trees all around the house, large shade trees. And Mr. R would come over there sometimes in the afternoon sitting in the shade, you know, and, and talk to Grandpa. And, 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 you know, I was six years old playing around, you know, and I noticed that he did not have a finger, this finger, or thumb on his right hand. Now, the other hand, just perfect, anybody see? Now, here's a man 40-some-odd years of age. He's got these three fingers, look just as normal, but his hand just, you know, like, like you'd sawed it off across there. And uh, so I remember one time after he's there, I asked Grandpa, see, he worked in the oil mill. We called it oil mill. Actually, what they did, you know, they pressed cotton seed and made oil out of it, you know, oil mill. And I thought that maybe he'd got his hand in machinery or something. So I asked Grandpa, because he worked there, did Mr. R get, you know, his finger and thumb cut off? Grandpa said, no, no, he'd known him ever since he was born. He said he's born that way. He was born that way. Now the Lord said to me, you couldn't pray, God, heal Mr. R's thumb, right thumb. He's got a left thumb. Now if something happened to it, you could pray, God, heal that you know, he's got a sore on it or something, a bruise. You could pray God heal that right left thumb. But you couldn't pray God heal Mr. R's right thumb. He, he don't have any right thumb. Could you? He don't need healing. Then the Lord reminded me that when I was nine years old, I changed schools. I, I went to East Ward there in McKinney. And uh, we changed because we moved and we was in another district. I went to Central Ward in the third grade. And there was a boy, nine years of age there. You see, this is a new school, so I'm new and getting acquainted. And there was a boy by the name of Jack Scott. And on his right arm, he did not have a hand. His arm ended right here. It didn't have a wrist, but just right there where the wrist should be, this small part right above your wrist, his arm ended right there, just a nub, you know. Well, you know, I'm new. I didn't ask him. Those things are personal a lot of times. But you wondered, well, did he get his hand cut off something, you know? Maybe he was, maybe he was involved in an automobile accident. What happened, you know? Because he's just, uh, you know, just... And it's amazing what old Jack could do. You know, he, he could play softball. Yeah, he'd take this in his hand, you see, and just sort of balance it with that nub, man. He'd hit, you know? Now, that, he'd even play third base. And he'd wear a glove on this hand because, he said that's a hot corner. But you could knock a ball down there to third base, you see, and he'd grab it with that 
Jerk his hand out of there and pick that ball up and throw it to first base and get you out before you can get there. <laughs> See, he had learned to live with his hand. It's amazing what you can do when you learn to live with handicaps. But, you know, through a, through a, through a several month period, I got real close to him, acquainted with him. So I asked him one day, you know, you know, what happened, you know? Did you get your hand cut off something? He said, no, I was born that way. I don't know why, but I was born that way. No hand on. Well, the Lord said to me, now, now he's got a left hand. Now, if he'd got that left hand injured or had a sore on it or something, you know, you could pray God heal Jack's left hand. But you couldn't pray God heal Jack's right hand. See, that's not healing. I, I think when we understand this, then we'll understand. You see, Jesus because we pointed out here, had the spirit without measure, then he could successfully deal with all cases. We have the spirit by measure. Remember we looked at that scripture over in Hebrews, it talked about distributions of the Holy Ghost. See, the Lord said, I did not tell you. Now, see, I may have the manifestation occasionally. He said, I did not tell you I, I gave you a, working of miracles. I told you your ministry is a healing ministry. So that's the reason that healing power didn't flow out to you because there's nothing there to heal. Now you see, there's two things here. Some in the ministry seem to be equipped with that kind of a ministry. Because he said here, later on in this 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. Now notice this. After that, miracles. Then, gifts of healing. Now, you see, he doesn't stop talking about ministry gifts and goes to talking about spiritual gifts, or as we call it. What he does is, it's still ministry gifts. He's saying that there are those that are equipped in the ministry who are equipped with these workings. By the same token, any one person in the church, a layman might be used. The manifestation might come as the Spirit wills. I have a lot of old Pentecostal evangelists, you know, that's the official organ of the Assemblies of God. Assembly of God, you know, is a Pentecostal movement. It was organized in 1914 over here in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I have a number of old Pentecostal evangelists. They have many more than what I have. I have just a few, but over they have an archive over in the library at ORU of Pentecostal writings, and they have, I suppose, many hundreds of them. But uh, the first general superintendent of the Assemblies of God was Brother E.N. Bell. I never knew him before my day. I wasn't even born until 1917, of course. And their headquarters, you know, of the Assemblies of God is up here at Springfield now, but at first it was in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, they just had one building there and some they sort of lived upstairs in the apartments when it first started, you know, and had their office all downstairs. And Brother Bell became ill, very ill, and right at the point of death. Well, they would, uh, the different people would meet and, you know, the other officials would sit the superintendent, secretary treasurer, J.R. Flower was secretary treasurer, would meet and pray for him every night. They'd, they'd pray every night. He steadily grew worse until he was just about dead. And Brother Flower said that, uh, that one night, one of them, some of the workers there had a little kid, you know, saved, filled the Holy Ghost. It wasn't but five years old. 
Suddenly, the Spirit of God came on that little five-year-old kid. See, you had a manifestation. See, you don't have to be an adult or an adult Christian, a mature Christian to have manifestation of the Spirit. Baby Christians can have them. The Corinthians did. Spirit of God came on that little five-year-old and he just marched up there and commanded him to be healed and instant, like you snapped your finger, he's all right. And that is recorded and reported. The healing zone in Pentecostal Evangel. So, by the same token, the working of miracles might be manifested through any individual member of the body of Christ at any time, whenever it's necessary, and the Spirit of God wills. You can't, you can't manifest it yourself. But right on the other hand, it seems to me that what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 is that there are ministries God has set in the church and that there's some in the ministry that's equipped with that kind of a ministry that would have more of a constant manifestation. That still doesn't mean that they do it when they want to, but like Philip, they gave heed unto him, both seeing and hearing the miracles which he did. Now, you see, the Lord said to me, I did not give you a working of miracles ministry. So, from the standpoint, I didn't have the anointing to minister that to them. If the anointing had come, I could, but I didn't have it. This healing anointing that I have would not work there. And it will not work on many cases. Can you understand that? Now, he said, however, and you see, we need to realize this now. If the lady could get the baby to some ministry who had that kind of ministry, it would be effective. Or, of course, if God saw fit to somebody in the congregation to suddenly give them the manifestation, it would work. However, the Lord said to me, remember that when I was on the earth, I said, and it's recorded in my word, all things are possible to him that believeth. Well, all things would include healings, miracles, and everything, wouldn't it? All things. And then my word said, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done. So get that lady to agree with you that what's missing in that child's head will be created and put there. You see, without the supernatural manifestation, if we can agree, it'll be done. So that night after the Lord spoke to me that afternoon, which was the third day after, you know, that night I'd ministered the child, when I got up to minister, I, before I ever preached, I said, is, that, is the lady here that had that little child on the pillow the other night, the lady in the back of the auditorium lifted her hand. I said, would you come down here, please? She didn't have the child with her, but she came down. I told her what the Lord told me. And when I got to the place, see, she didn't tell me this part. She just said the doctors were, as I've already told you, related to you. They, they didn't understand how the child lived. But when I got to the part when I said the Lord told me that that child was born with something missing in his head to see the healing anointing wouldn't work. And then when I told her that, she said, well, that's just what the doctor said. They, they said that something was missing. I'm glad the Lord knows as much as the doctors. <laughs> Aren't you? Praise God. So I said to her, now I don't have that kind of ministry. Uh, the, the Lord may anoint me at times to minister that way. He may anoint somebody in the congregation, but we don't seem to have it. So, but I said, he said, all things are possible to him that believeth. And if two of you can agree, and to get you to agree with me, will you agree? Yeah, she said. I said, let's agree that what's missing in that child's head will be created there. Praise God. And the child grow and develop and become normal. So we agreed. You say, well, did it happen? Well, I believe it did. I don't know. I closed the meeting and left, you see. 
But as far as I'm concerned, it did. Now, I do know another child. I, I, I know personally about this because I lead ha- after the child, this happened to it, they attended, they were Lutherans, you see, not full gospel. They attended my meeting and the mother and the daddy and the little boy was all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as I laid hands on them. And the child was 11 years old at the time I laid hands on him. Now, the mother and daddy told me, and of course, I knew the ministry involved uh, very closely. Th- th- this child, eight years of age, when he was eight, now, I laid hands on him at 11, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. But when he's eight years of age, he was what we call very often, you know, I don't know what you call him, medical standpoint. A lot of times, you know, just slobbered, you know, and, and, and couldn't learn, didn't grow right, you know, just never developed. Physically speaking, he is eight years old, but he wasn't any bigger than a five or six year old. Physically speaking, he didn't grow right. Mentally, he's not right. So they took him. They told me, and of course, I knew Brother Branham to one of Brother Branham's meetings. We were all in the Voice of Healing together. Well, Brother Branham was a prophet. He had operating in him the word of knowledge and gifts of healings. And so when he touched the child, he said, uh, this, my, my gift won't work for this child. In other words, his anointing wouldn't work. He said, this, uh, this is not a case of healing. There's something missing in this child's head. He knew that by revelation, you see. And so the anointing, which I minister, like he ministered healing to the sick, you see, wouldn't work. And so he asked this Lutheran parents, you see, to believe with him, said, but if you'll agree with me, we'll agree that what's missing in that child's head, God will create it. And Well, he's already created it. You know, he may have a few spare parts laying around. Just put, put it in there. <laughs> Just put it in there. And that it'll grow and this child will become normal. They said, well, we, well, all right, we'll agree with you. So he laid his hands on the child and they agreed together that what's missing would, would be created there, that the child would become normal in every way, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. Now, like I said, I saw him when he slept me. He said, well, I laid hands on him, filled the Holy Ghost. Now, listen, he had never been to school, of course. Eight years of age, or had already been, you know. Time he was 11 years old, he'd already caught up with his class. <laughs> Glory to God. He's in the same class he'd already been in, any 11-year-old should be in. What wasn't there, God put there. Because they agreed. See what I mean? Praise God. Now, you see, uh, there wasn't anything said in the meeting they was in about this, but they see they were Lutherans, but they'd come to Pentecostal church because they'd been blessed thereby. And so uh, I, I got to preaching. They hadn't, you know, heard too much preaching. They'd heard some, but anyway, they came and I laid hands on them as baptized the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Well, I, I think we need to see the difference, you see, between those things. We can understand them. And so I'm well convinced, you see, that the work in the miracles works over here. I've seen it in manifestation. Sometimes it's a gift of special faith that also works in this area. And of course, the work in the miracles works in another area also, like turning the water into wine. Like in the Old Testament, the axe head was made uh, to, to swim. Like the Red Sea was divided. Jordan River was divided, you know. And like Jesus feeding the 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. One modernist, I was quite amused. I was reading that to one of these modernist preachers, you know. I don't know why he called himself a preacher. He's no more a preacher than I'm an astronaut. <laughs> well, maybe he's a preacher of the devil. I don't know. But he didn't believe in the miraculous, and he was downing the miraculous in the Bible. 
And he was talking about, now here's a fellow that's been to college, seminary, got all of these degrees, and still stupid. <laughs> and we're not against education, thank God for education. But, but I remember I, one time I was talking to one of the most educated men in the southwest part of the United States. Wasn't anybody more educated than he, and he said this, there's no fool in all the world like an educated fool. And here this fellow said, in those days, the loaves of bread were bigger than they are now. And I thought that poor dummy forgot that that was a little boy's lunch. <laughs> and then another fellow said, you talking about those, the Red Sea divided? That wasn't a miracle. He said, where they went over there, the water, he said, wasn't hardly knee deep. And I thought to myself, well, dear, my, my, that's a bigger miracle than ever. A whole army drowned in knee-deep water. <laughs> That'd be a bigger miracle than ever. Horses drowned in knee-deep water. And a whole army drowned. Oh, brother, you can't get around it. It's just miraculous. Glory to God. Thank God for the supernatural. And you go to try to pose the supernatural, and you'll make a fool of yourself, just like they did. Amen. Then, of course, in the vocal gifts, then that, of course, is gifts of healing, working of miracles, and, and the prophecy, and, and the special faith that works, you see, the working of miracles and faith not only works over here in the, in the realm of, of some of these cases of faith would even on, on healing sometimes, but also works in other realms as well. Like, for instance, uh, working of miracles, you know, there in the Old Testament, the prophets, you know, said uh, when they, they were starving, and he went up there to that widow's house, and she had just enough oil left, enough meal to make one cake, going to make it for she and her son is going to die then. Well, he said, give it to me. Isn't that awful? Give it to the preacher. That's the way with preachers, taking the last bite of food away from widow women. So she went ahead and did it, you know. But that oil cruise just kept giving out oil. That meal barrel just kept giving out meal. That is the working of miracles. Well, we are more acquainted, I think, with these vocal manifestations than the others. Prophecy is a supernatural utterance inspired by God in a known tongue. Diverse kinds of tongues, as it's called here, we call it sometimes the gift of tongues, is supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue. Actually, the word unknown is, is, isn't in the original scriptures here. Translators added it again, thinking it would help you to understand that it's unknown to you. It is not always unknown to others who might be present. I know a number of times I've been heard, I, I, I don't know any other language, but to speak in different languages. Actually, we, this summer, you know, we were in meetings back up in the New England states and, and so on, and then we were preaching there for, uh, over there at Hackensack. And so we were laying hands on the sick, and, and uh, there was a couple that came there to, uh, you know, uh, to the, the church there that uh, one of our graduates had started from Raymond. And, uh, and he, uh, she had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, spoke the other tongues. But he was sort of drug his feet, said, well, I don't know about that. I, I don't know about that, speaking of tongue business. And so he was helping us. That is, because we had to come up on the platform with the line. And, of course, Mike Webb here was 
helping me and catching people as they fell. But he was here, you know, uh, helping people off of the platform on this end. They'd come up from this way, you know. And I'd come down this end of the line. And, and, and he told, now I didn't know it, you see, but he told Clint Utterbach, he said, uh, you know, I mean, for me, he said, boy, I'm a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus saw smile. He said, brother, they can lay hands on him and spoke in purest tidings. Said, be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I knew I spoke in tongue, but I didn't know I was speaking in tablet. See, and he heard it, and it was a sign to him. And, and, and he said, man, I want it. Yeah, yeah, praise God. I know that's super. I know Brother Hagin doesn't know Italian. I said, well, no, I don't know Italian. <laughs> I didn't even know what I said. I just said it under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. In fact, a lot of times, see, I lay hands on the sick, and a lot of times I, I uh, are praying for other things, and I pray in tongues. Now, I don't try to pray in tongues. I tell you the real truth, but I try not to. Now, I don't mean the Holy Ghost just overpowers me, but see, I'm yielded to the Spirit, and it just comes out. In fact, I don't even know it's going to come out. I've said it before a thought. See, just automatically. And so, it convinced him. Now, I was preaching down at the Evangelistic Temple in Houston several years ago in a meeting, and there was a, a missionary from Mexico. Actually, he'd given up. He'd, he'd quit. He had seen some things in some areas that had sort of, I mean, even in healing, I'm sorry to say, with some healing evangelists that had uh, throwed him. And, and so he just decided there wasn't much to it. And I don't mean he backslid and quit the Lord, but he just wasn't, wasn't doing what God wanted him to do in ministry. He, he just backed off from it. And, and see, I didn't even know that he's telling me this afterwards. See, he sat around the front seat. He said, as you came down there, you began to, to speak in tongues. And he said, you said, you know, and he told me a number of different things. I said, over two or three people in Spanish. Well, I didn't realize, I didn't pay attention to what I said. I didn't realize I was speaking Spanish. You know, I got to tell people sometimes, you know, I, I can say a few words in Spanish, like hot tamale and taco. <laughs> you know. But you see, uh, the, uh, uh, I didn't realize, I didn't pay attention to what I said, you see. But yet, you see, he said, you, you, you said, be healed. I command you to be healed. And another, even in tongues, I command you to come out of them. So evidently there's a spirit in them that need to come out for the healing to be manifested. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you say, could the devil hear that? Yeah, if, it was, if it's a language it's in Spanish, and he, he knows Spanish because a lot of devils are talking Spanish. <laughs> Just like there's a lot of devils talking English. See, now, now no devils are talking heaven language, but you see, tongues... See, Paul said over here in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues, languages, of men and angels, and have not love, I'm nothing. See, Brother Summerall talks about that, that girl, you know, there in the Philippines that, that he cast the devil out of, you know, his own television. See, and really it was the making of his church. There's a large church there now that he established, you know, several thousand people. He was struggling at this time. And here, this is all in the paper. Here, this, this girl was actually a prostitute. But then, you see, she'd have these, going to these spells, you know, and so on. So they had her in jail, a psychiatrist from the university there, and the doctors, you know, and had it right on all the news and everything. You see, she'd, there in the cell, and they'd watch, you know, and she'd begin like she's fighting something. They couldn't see anything, but then they'd see these marks come on her arm, where, and, and they examined them, and there's saliva there, and there's teeth marked like somebody bit her. And she said, that thing bit me. I said, what does it look like? Well, it's a big, hairy-looking monster. One of them's big and one of them's smaller. They were demons, you see. But you said, could demons manifest themselves over in this realm? I don't think any intelligent people needs to ask that. They are manifesting themselves in this realm constantly. Amen. Amen. What do you think that is when a fellow 
goes in like it did a couple of weeks ago down here in one of the places of business, you know, and takes a pipe and nearly kills two girls. You think, what kind of manifestation is that? One of them did die since then, you know. Beat them to death virtually. Sure wasn't God, was it? It sure wasn't the natural human spirit because we're all natural and we'd all be doing that if that's natural. Well, then there's only one other spirit source it could come from. Then that's the devil. Demon activity. See, it's easy enough. You just stop them. Simple enough. You just stop them and, and rightly divide it. There's only three spirit realms that we have any record of. And that's heaven and hell and earth. Divine spirits and demon spirits and human spirits. Sure didn't come from heaven, did it? It's not the normal activity for human spirits. If it was, we're all human spirits. We'll all be acting that way. It'd be normal for us to act that way. So it can come from others. Yes, demons can manifest themselves through people, and demons can manifest themselves even in physical manifestations. Well, let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a little bit. There in the Old Testament, when God led Israel out of Egypt, he performed a series of ten miracles. Now, the very first one, you see, Aaron threw down his rod, shepherd's crook, a rod that turned into a serpent. The magicians did the same thing, turned into a serpent. That was a supernatural manifestation beyond the natural manifestation in this realm that you could see. Did God turn theirs? No, God turned Aaron's into a serpent. Who turned theirs into a serpent? One thing about it, Aaron's serpent swallowed them up. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> see, that's the reason the devil, you know, I've seen meetings where the devil gets into them. That's the reason he won't fool with my meetings. He knows we'll swallow him up. He don't like to be swallowed. Now, did you notice there for those first three miracles or so that the devil matched them? All right, this, this, this girl there, you see. Now, Brother Summerall said, the Lord told him, go down there and cast the devil out of her. So he had to go through right sources, you know, and he knew some influential people. And, and so he gained interest and went, and now here's the newspaper reporters and all of them. This ignorant, uneducated, Filipino girl. And the minute he stepped into the cell, she started cursing him in English and talking to him in English. Either the devil entered did it. She can't talk English because she was delivered, never knew a word English. Well, why in the world could the devil talk English? Now, he's not going to talk any heavenly language, but why could he talk English? Why could he talk English? Well, he knows earthly language. He's the God of this world, isn't he? And he's in her, so he cursed Summerall. Told him he couldn't cast him out. He said, yes, I can. He cursed Jesus Christ. But Summerall cast him out, and the woman was delivered. Now, for many years, been, you know, saved, filled with the Spirit. She and her husband, she's been married since then. Children. Now, you've got, a, you've got a supernatural manifestation, all right, but it's not the Spirit of God. Now, don't get afraid, you see. Don't be, get afraid of spirits just because the devil can manifest himself. As long as you're honest and sincere and walking in the light and under the blood, the devil's not going to give you something. So, well, maybe the tongue I talk in is not of God. Well, if it's not, I'll let you know. Don't bother about it. <laughs> you see, that tongue talking was cursing God, cursing some wrong, cursing Jesus, and cursing the blood of Jesus. And people's in bondage and captivity. And people speak with other tongues. The Spirit gives them an utterance. There's a light upon their face. There's a joy about them. There's a release. 
We heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They're magnifying God. Now we'll forget as long as they'll live. When folks get to baptism in the Holy Ghost, a lot of times it'll change their countenance. I remember I was holding a meeting in Tucson, Arizona. And, uh, and, and here was a lady. Actually, there's a little Indian village there out of Tucson. There's not many of them left. Papago Indians. I don't know if you ever heard of the Papagos or not. But there's not many of them. You know, it's a smaller tribe. And so one of the uh, Assembly of God missionaries brought some of the folks there. They had been working with the Papago Indians for years. Indians, you know, are very, uh, you know, they don't talk much. Maybe some of the modern day do, but they used to, you know. They told me, here, here were Assembly of God missionaries, said, we've been working. You see, because this was in 1950, uh, well, actually, January 1954. And we've been working with them for 25 years. We've had a mission station here for many, many years. We've never known of a Papago Indian ever being filled with the Holy Ghost or baptized Holy Ghost. Now, we get them saved because you can't get any response from them. They'll just sit there and look. Of course, you're dealing, too. You've got to realize primarily with, with uneducated people, you see. And it got them saved, had a little mission there on the, on the, in, the, in the village. And this one missionary had been there for 25 years, she and her husband. She told me, she and her husband said, we've never known of, there's no record of any Papago Indian because they're the least responsive of any person that we know anything about. And so they came out there because, you see, they, were, of course, had been taught to tarry for the Holy Ghost. And I was laying hands on people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So they said to me, and they told me the story ahead of time, we're going to bring some of them. I said, okay, bring them. Well, I remember they brought, first they brought an old woman. Now I purposely, because I knew from what she had already said to me that they're very difficult to deal with, unresponsive, and, and I laid hands out front. Now, for instance, that very night, I laid hands on a Navajo Indian. He instantly was filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke to other tongues. And not only that, he was healed. Praise God. Missionary had brought him down from the Navajo Reservation because he had had a severe back injury and he came down there for treatments. And when I laid hands on that Navajo Indian, great big fella, Indian, power of God came when he started talking in tongues and he fell backwards over the altar and his back that was injured, you see, hit that altar and he turned to flip over the altar. But he not only fell the Holy Ghost, he's healed. But now the pappy goes is another story. So they brought this old woman. And I, they got her up there in the line, but I wouldn't deal with her. And I knew by the Spirit of God that I shouldn't try to deal with her out front. I know that very often. I take people aside. So I said, you go in the side room there and I'll come in there. You, you take her in there. Now she doesn't understand the word English, so I had to speak. You know, and then, then, then the, the lady, the missionary's wife, both of them were missionaries. Sister Kennedy would, uh, would tell her in Papago what I'm saying. So we went into the side room, my wife and I, and, and uh, sister, the, the missionary's wife, she's also a missionary, a minister, and the Papago Indian, one other person with them. And so I, uh, I instructed her through, this, uh, through the, the missionary, see, because I'd speak in English and she'd speak in Papago and tell her what to expect, what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay hands on her now. And the Holy Ghost is going to come on her. Now I believe, I don't mean any reflection now, but this old woman, didn't have a tooth in her head. And I believe she is the ugliest looking thing I've ever seen in all of my lifetime. Well, the Holy Ghost came. I, I kept my eyes open. You know, the Bible said to watch and pray. But I do that purposely a lot of times. You learn a lot, you see. Everybody shut their eyes and I shut mine first, then I opened them. 
And I saw the power of God come on her. See, because as I'd say a few words, Sister Kennedy would, in her ear, tell her what I'd said. I saw the power of God come on her. I saw the Spirit of God. Her face changed. Her expression changed. And she began speaking. Well, I didn't know, you know, because maybe she's speaking Papago. But I remember Sister Kennedy said, that's not Papago, that's not Papago. And she's speaking in other tongues. And I remember my wife then, you know, when she shouted out, when Sister Kennedy shouted out, that's not Papago, that's not Papago. Then everybody opened their eyes. And like my wife said, she said, I, I, I never saw anything like that in my life. How that woman's countenance was transformed. She looked beautiful. The glory of God shined upon her. The Bible talks about us being changed from glory to glory. <laughs> Hallelujah, doesn't it? It was absolutely startling. Absolutely startling. Well, thank God. Hallelujah. Well, see, when the Spirit of God moves on and gives you utterance, there's light. When the Spirit, see, her face lit up. When the Spirit of God moves on you and gives you utterance, there's beauty. When the Spirit of God moves on you and gives you utterance, there's glory. Now, see, the devil might have somebody, but there'd be no glory, no light, no dark. Well, this woman's in darkness and in jail. See, it's easy enough to discern. You don't have to get scared. I remember a woman, bless her heart, bless her heart. I didn't deal with her. Say, why didn't you deal with her? God didn't say to. Besides that, I knew by revelation inside me, she wouldn't listen anyway. I saw her right in our midst, you see. And I was led by the Spirit. Again, that's one of those times I kept my eyes open. Everybody's worshiping God, speaking with tongues. Now, she's speaking in some kind of a tongue, but it wasn't inspired by the Spirit of God. Everybody else, you know, smiling. Oh, there's a brightness upon them, a glory upon them. See, That's not the Spirit of God, dear friends. Say, why didn't you help her? She didn't want to be helped. See, I happen to know something about the woman. I happen to know, now she's a married woman, all right, but I happen to know that she's got just men and friends galore on the side. Yet she'd get in, you see, among the, the, the Pentecostal people where the glory of God's in manifestation and, and, and she'd and just face make all these kind of contortions. I'm led by the Spirit to watch her. And said to the Lord, Lord, you want me to help? No, he said, she can't be helped. She won't listen. Yes, she's talking. See, a lot of folks thought, boy, she's got the real thing. No, there's no use being afraid. After all, I remember reading after, did you ever read after the, the gentleman, you know, 19 years, a spiritualist pastor, you know, and then he got saved, baptized the Holy Ghost, and became Assembly of God minister, you know, and he wrote the book, you know, what is it, Counterfeit, you know? Challenging, Challenging Counterfeit, you know? He met mention of the fact in their spiritualist church, you see, that they had what they thought was all the gifts of the Spirit, manifestation, Spirit, manifestation, including this, tongues. These were manifestations of the devil. After all, if the devil was going to start something, you know, he's going to have to have it to look very similar. I mean, nobody would respond. You know, I never did see a counterfeit $3 bill, did you? But I have got a hold of some counterfeit bills, you know. I didn't know it, you know, somebody pointed out to me, but you do get counterfeit bills. And, and, and you know, really, you never, I never did see a counterfeit $1 bill. Never heard of anybody counterfeiting a $1 bill. You know, usually they start with 20s. Notice when they confiscate them, you know. 
Here, while back around here, you know, they got over somebody, you know, and they, 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 they're printing $20 bills. Now, why? Well, you know, a dollar bill's not worth anything. Why do you want to miss something like that for? What's it worth? Ten cents? Nowadays, you know. Huh? See if the devil's going to counterfeit something, but brother, there has to be a real before there can be a counterfeit. Like I said, you never saw a counterfeit $3 bill. There has to be a real before there can be a counterfeit. Sure, the devil will try to counterfeit it, but don't let that bother you. I was preaching a meeting in Beaumont, Texas in the Lamar Assembly of God Church in the month of January in the year of 1953. You know, I knew you'd be disappointed if I didn't tell you, so... <laughs> So, I'm laying hands on people in the prayer line. I called it in those days a prayer line because I'd put people in the same line. See, in a, a church, you know, you maybe some nights only have 15 to 20 to pray for and usually never over 50. And so one man can do that. Well, you got a lot, you can't do it that way because you don't have the time. You wear yourself out and then the anointing leaves you and you might as well quit. So, I sensed that someone in that line had a demon in them. I didn't know who it was, but I could sense it as I ministered to different people to be healed, to be filled with spirit. But I got this woman located before she got to me. I'd say she stood within five people of me. I knew it was in, that this demon was in her. So when she stepped up in front of me, you see, because I asked all of them to begin with some of the same question, you know, what did you come for? Find out whether it's healing or to be filled with the spirit because you'd instruct them differently. Then I'd inquire, are you a Christian? So I asked her, what did you come for? Well, she said, Brother Higgins, I have this stomach trouble, you know, and then I'm real nervous and can't sleep at night, and I came for healing. I said, are you a Christian? And I asked them all that usually. She said, well, I'm a member. She mentioned another church there of some caliber in town. Well, I said, you understand, I was in Lamar Assembly. I said, you understand, you could be a member of the Assembly of God Church right here, and that wouldn't make you a Christian. Have you been born again? Do you know you're a child of God? Now listen, she spoke up and said, yes. I've been born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking tongues. You want to hear me? And she started blabbing something that sounded a whole lot like tongues. I knew it was the devil. I knew inside me, in my spirit, that this is not the spirit of God, that really this is a demon aping and imitating that's in this woman. But what are you going to do? And she's a blabbing off there. And on the inside of me, you know, he's in there. I said, he's in there. Amen. Greater is he than you in the world. So on the inside of me, I, I, I just said inside me, uh, uh, what am I going to do? And the Spirit of God showed me. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. I mean, without him, brother, we, 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 we're just helpless. That's all there is to it. The majority, oh yes, you can teach people the Bible and if you can get them to respond, you can help a whole lot of people that way, but you can't reach but only a certain percent that way. And so, inspired by the Spirit of God, I said to her real quickly, see, you've got to get it while the manifestation is on. I said, sister, pray this prayer after me. And I started out, Heavenly Father, she said, Heavenly Father. I acknowledge that you are God. She said, I acknowledge that you are God. And I said, the Lord Jesus Christ is your son and he's come in the flesh. She said, wouldn't say Lord. She said, and Jesus Christ is not your son and he's not come in the flesh. Now, you've got to get that while the manifestation is on. 
See, while that spirit has control of it, if that spirit doesn't have control over it and she's back over in the natural, well, with her mind, she can say, Jesus Christ is Lord and it's come in the flesh and you won't know the difference. Well, I did that. Then I didn't know what to do. There I am again. I get there in that position so many times. I waited for a few moments and on the inside of me, I heard these words, do it again. Well, what if you hadn't heard anything? Well, I just had to pass her on and go on to the next one, that's all. So I said, sister, pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, she followed me. Heavenly Father. Then I went on, I acknowledge that you are God. She said, I acknowledge that you are God. And I said, the, see, the devils believe in God, believe there is a God and tremble, the Bible said. And I said, and the Lord Jesus Christ is your son. And he is coming to flesh. And she said, and Jesus Christ is not your son and he is not coming to flesh. And then I, there I am again, back to the same place. I get there so many times I don't know what to do. What are you going to do now? So I looked on the inside of me, he that's in there. What do I do now? He said, third time said, do it again. So I said, third time, sister, pray this prayer after me. And so... I prayed, Heavenly Father. She said, Heavenly Father. I acknowledge that you are God. She said, I acknowledge that you are God. And I said, and the Lord Jesus Christ is your son and is come in the flesh. She said, and Jesus Christ, never did say Lord. Jesus Christ is not your son and he's not come in the flesh. Then you see, because she is sincere, even though this thing's in her, she said to me, and sort of laid her hands upon herself. She said, Brother Hagin, there's something right in there that won't let me say what you said. I said, I know it, sister. You won't get rid of it? She said, I sure do. Well, now I saw. You can't do some things out in public, in a, in a public service. I mean, in a church service. Now, now, now stop right there. I'm going to leave that right there and take a little side excursion here and you'll see something. I'll demonstrate something to you, illustrate it from the scriptures. You remember Jesus himself in his hometown of Nazareth, in the synagogue. Well, the synagogues would, would correspond to our church house buildings today because that's where they went on the Sabbath day, you remember, to worship the Jews, which were God's people of that day. Isn't that right? So the Bible said, Luke has it, that he entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and as a delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and found a place where it's written the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and so on. Now Mark says in Mark 6, 5 and he could there do no mighty work save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And actually the Greek literally said he laid his hands on a few folks with minor ailments. Well, isn't he the son of God? Isn't he anointed with the Holy Ghost? And yet nobody had much wrong with them got healed. Just a few minor ailments. Why didn't they? See, no one can do any more in the crowd than the crowd will let him do. The next verse says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. On, on another occasion, they brought a man to Jesus who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech and, the, and besought Jesus to put his hand upon him. And, and Jesus took the man by the hand and led him away from the multitude before he ministered to him. How well, do you suppose he did that? Now let's go back to this. See, I saw 
You see, the, 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 the spiritual climate, now I'm, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to start talking about anointing, that individual anointing, the anointing in the Christian, the anointing on the minister, the anointing on the prophet, different ones. And then there's, there's an individual anointing, then there's a corporate anointing that's even greater. You'll see greater things happen if you can get that corporate anointing. But you've got to get everybody in the spirit to get that. And in one accord. And, and so, uh, you see, the, the general atmosphere of the church changed. I, I couldn't minister out there anymore. Oh, I wish I could get it over to people. You, you see, a lot of times, you see, uh, the layman, you know, they, they, they want the, the pastor, or the prophet, or the minister to perform, so to speak. They don't realize any responsibility. I've had the Spirit of God moving on me. I've had revelation. I, I knew by revelation, people in the congregation, I knew exactly what was wrong with them physically. I had the manifestation of gifts of healing to minister to them. You see, it was just about to speak these things out. And people, different ones, started getting up and leaving. And suddenly the whole thing went from just like a bird sitting on your shoulder and flew away. The Spirit of God wouldn't manifest himself. He said, I'm grieved. He's grieved because of the irreverence. Oh, those Christians, bless their darling heart, born again, spirit-filled Christians, didn't realize, don't know, bless their hearts, that the cause of those people not getting healed there to blame for it. They want to blame it off on the preacher. They had to run, you know, and get them a cup of coffee or something, you know, and they're laughing and they're joking around when God wanted to move. I've been in full gospel businessmen's meetings. When I was a speaker in the Spirit of God, all the anointing was there. And folks started up, get up, stirring around, the anointing just left you. The Spirit of God was grieved. Oh, let's learn the Spirit, dear friends. We come into the house of God. You see, the house of God isn't necessarily a building. It's a church. And His glory fills that house and His presence is there. We, we, we create that. Let's learn to be reverent and honor the Spirit of God. God said, them that honor me, I'll honor them. Oh yes, I go away and weep very often about it and I see so much God wanted to do it, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because people wouldn't cooperate with him. Why didn't you just go ahead anyway? Well, I'll answer that back. Why didn't Jesus just go ahead anyway and heal people? He has the Holy Ghost without measure where I only have the Holy Ghost by measure. Why didn't he go ahead and heal people? If he couldn't do it having the Spirit without measure, how am I going to do it with the Spirit by measure? Do you want to be delivered? Yes, I want to be delivered. Well, I saw I couldn't help her there before the crowd. Why couldn't I help her there? They don't know their Bibles, don't know the Spirit of God well enough. They've all got confused. So many of them have. Well, I heard her speaking that strange language. Maybe I've got a devil. <laughs> couldn't tell the difference. I said, uh, I, I knew... See, even though we're in, a, in, in the church and the pastor there, I, I knew that the pastor himself, you couldn't get him to help you because he's confused. So I didn't ask him. Another pastor's wife who was present, neighbor pastor, I'd held some meetings in. I knew they knew the Spirit of God. And I asked them, I said, would you take this lady down in the basement of the church and I'll be down there as soon as I finish this line. So I went down there. Well, to make a long story short, we cast the devil out of that woman because that was the wrong spirit in her. She said, something in me won't let me say what you said. Then we got her born again, blood washed, and then baptized the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. 
and there's a vast difference. Praise God. Well, thank God for the manifestation of the Spirit. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.